Eagles Entertainment. The journey to the draft is driven by AAA. AAA, roadside is their strong side. Make AAA a part of your game day today. AAA, go ahead. With the 25th pick in the NFL draft, the Philadelphia Eagles select. You're listening to the Journey to the Draft podcast, driven by AAA. Welcome to the Journey to the Draft podcast driven by AAA. I'm your host, Fran Duff. We've got a fun show here as we're concluding our coverage of the East-West Shrine Bowl down in St. Petersburg, Florida. Wednesday's action is now in the books. We're going to recap what we saw over the course of this week in practice. We're going to start at the very top. Uh, C-Mac and I, Chris McPherson, are going to catch up with some of the news around the NFL draft landscape before we get into pick six, where we select six guys that stood out to us on the final day of practice here, or at least the, co- the practice that we're covering from Tropicana Field in St. Petersburg. Florida. After that, we catch up with one of my favorite analysts in the business. That's Emery Hunt over from Football Game Plan. Emery and I catch up about some of the players that have stood out to him over the course of the week of practice here in St. Pete. Then we catch up with Oklahoma cornerback Parnell Motley, a guy that I caught up with uh, after practice here Wednesday morning. Really interesting guy and a guy that has some uh, interesting teammates as well entering this 2020 NFL Draft. Then we'll wrap things up uh, and give you a little bit of a tease of what's to come here on the Journey to the Draft podcast over the next couple of weeks. But uh, let's get started here at the very top. We're going to start things off with draft buzz, but again, before we start this show, just a little bit of a reminder. Throw us a little bit of support. All you have to do is go to Apple Podcasts or Stitcher, leave us a rating, leave us a comment. It's the best way to help support the show, keep it going, make it more available to uh, everybody else that's looking for this kind of a content. All right, now let's get things started here. Draft buzz at the top with C-Mac and I. It's time for draft buzz. Now it's time for draft buzz. So this is a first here on Draft Buzz on the Journey to the Draft podcast driven by AAA as we are now doing this uh, from the car, driving to the airport, to the Tampa International Airport from Tropicana Field. It's the, it was the final day uh, of tri- Shrine Ball practices. And uh, C-Mac, this is our, uh, it's not our first podcast from the car, but it is certainly our first Draft Buzz segment, not planned whatsoever, going to the to the airport, leaving town. It's It's planned... To an extent, yeah. I'm trying not. I'm trying not to be a backseat driver here, as I watch Fran navigate the way through traffic, uh, like we've seen some of the running backs do this week down here in St. Pete. Almost rush hour traffic as we're getting ready to make our way back to Philadelphia, but we're getting draft buzz going. So, you know, Fran, you you let us off there. Let's get into you know the underclassmen who are starting to declare and it's starting to roll in now, especially now that the national title game is in the books. And Fran, yesterday, one big Iowa player from the trenches on the defensive side of the ball declares. Today, it's offensive tackle Tristan Wirfs who's saying that he will enter the 2020 NFL Draft. Yeah, and I think when you look at, at Tristan Wirfs, this is a guy that I watched in the summer. I haven't studied the 2019 film yet, but big, strong, powerful people mover. Like, he is a road grader up front. Think of, of like, a, a tackle version of Brandon Brooks. Like, that's kind of what Tristan Wirfs is. Excited to kind of dig in a little bit because he played a little bit of left tackle this year. Uh, Alaric Jackson, the left tackle for Iowa, who's also a, a pretty good prospect in his own right, had some injuries early in the year. So Tristan Wirfs moved over to the left side, and I think that versatility will, will help him a little bit, proving that he can play both spots. Really, the, the big thing, and to, again, for Eagles fans now, the Eagles selected Andre Dillard last year in the first round. They already have Lane Johnson locked up. They're not selecting Tristan Wirfs in the first round of the 2020 NFL Draft. But 
he is considered by most to be a top 20 pick. So again, this adds another player into the mix that can be you know selected ahead of the Eagles and again bump another player down the pecking order and put another player onto the board for you know for that selection at right now 21st overall. So what's been interesting here in the last 24 hours or so at the Shrine Bowl is that the Clemson and LSU players, who the ones who participated in the national championship game and were invited to play in this contest, have started to arrive where they came into town on Tuesday. Some of them did their medicals, did not practice. Today, on Wednesday, DeAndre Overton from Clemson, wide receiver, he partook in practice, and it was very interesting talking to him afterwards because I just wanted to get a sense after such a deflating loss, you know, what the last 48 hours, 72 hours have been like. And he quickly, very quickly had to put the game in the rearview mirror where he said he got back to the hotel about 1.30 in the morning after the game and then was on a flight uh, at 4.30 to get here to St. Petersburg in time to get ready and acclimated for uh, the activities going on in St. Petersburg for the Shrine Bowl. The one thing that I found interesting before we transitioned to a couple of these underclassmen is the fact that I had asked, well, what happened? Clemson was up big in the second quarter of the game, 17-7, and of course they lost 42-25. to what, what was the difference? And Overton said that they were not prepared or they were more it was more they were they were shocked when they got the early lead they didn't know how to handle it and I immediately followed up with that's surprising because Clemson's done nothing but win the last couple of seasons you would have thought that this was a position that that the team should have expected to be in used to be in comfortable being in and Overton said that they were going against the high-powered LSU offense led by Joe Burrow. They were in New Orleans in LSU's backyard. It, it kind of shocked the Tigers that they were able to jump on them early. But the problem is once they jumped on them early, they couldn't maintain that momentum and they just couldn't play to the high level that they've been traditionally playing at over the last couple of years. And LSU was able to come out with the win. So transitioning to the to the underclassmen who are declaring, one of Overton's teammates, T. Higgins, wide receiver, he declared for the 2020 NFL Draft. How does that impact the wide receiver position, which is already expected to be star-studded up and down the line here in this draft class, Ram? Well, I think when you look at T. Higgins, this is a player I admittedly have not studied yet. I know Ben uh, Ben Fennell has seen him up close a couple of times over the last couple of years. Obviously, a lot of people are very high on T. Higgins. The question that you hear often is how well does he run? Is he Does he run well enough to be in the first round and that I guess is a question whole answer over the next few months but uh, that's the question some people have I have not studied him yet so I can't speak to that I will say this you know this this receiver group overall is very young is very explosive uh, is very diverse in terms of their skill sets it's a really really deep group of underclassmen wide receivers in this draft and the senior group of wide receivers is very talented as well so when you look at this wide receiver position overall T Higgins adds to a group that already has Jerry Judy and Henry Ruggs and LaVisca Chenault, uh, you know, Jalen Rieger from TCU. You can go down the list, C.D. Lamb from Oklahoma. It's a really, really talented group at the top. When you talk, talk about this wide receiver position, it's going to be really fun to evaluate them over the next few months and see how this pecking order pans out. T. Higgins is certainly a name right now that's in that mix in mock drafts is going in the middle of round one. 
uh, again, having not studied them, I'm not quite sure. I think that the, the, the comment you got from Overton is really interesting, C-Mac, because uh, I'll be interested to hear from a couple of those Clemson players next week in Mobile at the Senior Bowl. Do they share that sentiment? Is that something that just Overton has? He's, he is a team captain. This is a guy that uh, was very highly regarded in that locker room. So was this something that the coaches talked about after the game? You know, Is this something that they felt was an issue? Or was that just kind of him speaking individually and maybe just kind of, you know, I don't want to say kind of leaning on some, uh, on a on a uh, on an excuse, but you know, I, I'm, I'm interested to see if some of his other teammates kind of follow suit there. Certainly, it, it's interesting because when you have a team like Clemson that has done nothing but win the last couple of seasons, they face a little bit of adversity, and you wonder how they're going to handle the moment. And you know, they went against an amazing historic LSU team, so a team that look at run through the SEC. Alabama is pretty much the only team that really gave them fits for the better course of the season. You know, by by and large, this was a team that, you know, not not too many teams, unless you're playing your absolute best, would be able to beat, given the circumstances, again, virtually a home game and playing for the national championship. So, speaking of the national champions, how about Grant Delpit? You know, that safety, post-safety, who's been outstanding for the, for the Tigers, he declares for the 2020 NFL Draft. So, that's another talented playmaker on the back end of the defense, you know, to try to contend with all these wide receivers who are coming out for him. I, I think when you look at Delpit, you know, he's got outstanding range. He can play in the middle of the field. He's the prototypical free safety from a skill set standpoint. He's got a wingspan uh, you know, that you like. He's got that body type that you like. Uh, can play the ball in the air. Can play in the slot. He's a man coverage defender. He can play in space as well as any safety that we've seen. The question that people are going to have is can he be consistent against the run? That was an issue that he had early in the season. I know he was dinged up. He had some injuries. Uh, that was a little bit of a, of a concern for him uh, coming through the season. But the, you know, his ability to come and finish as a tackler one-on-one, it's gonna be, that's going to be the big question for him. And is it an issue of want-to? Is it an issue of technique? Does he just need to get a little bit more discipline coming downhill and take better angles? That's going to be the thing that coaches, scouts, executives, everybody wants answers to those questions. That'll come from film study, talking with the kid. Uh, that's going to be you know the, the big topic of discussion for him but certainly right now again another player that's in that round one mix I mean there, I've seen mock drafts where he's going top 10 top 12 so uh, it could be another player again that bumps another player down the board for the Eagles and, that, and that's big if, if you're an Eagles fan seeing some of these big name underclassmen declare is good news for the Eagles picking at 21. All right so as we wrap up our coverage from the Shrine Bowl in terms of the uh, day-to-day action of what we saw at the practices let's get into pick six we're going to pick our six players who stood out during Wednesday's practices. Now it's time for Pick 6. All right, so as we uh, now enter the bridge that's the, the tollway over Tampa Bay, as we uh, get closer and closer to the Tampa Bay International Airport, uh, c let's talk through the players that we saw today. And look, it was our, our last day here, and I just kind of wanted to say, all right, who, what's the position group that gives me the most juice you know, looking at this, at this Shrine Bowl? And I, there were a number of receivers here this week that I thought really piqued my interest, and I said, you know what? Today, I'm just going to kind of focus in one more time on all these wideouts. And I just really honed in on all those guys on both sides of the ball, or both uh, both the East and West team. 
the first one I'll go from the morning practice. So the E-Squad watching uh, Aaron Parker, the, the kid from uh, Rhode Island, to me, uh, really stood out today. It was a heavy red zone day for both the East and West teams. So a lot of stuff inside the 20, red zone seven on seven, one-on-ones, routes on air, team drills, everything. A lot of that stuff was inside the 20, inside the 25-yard line. A guy like Aaron Parker, and there are a lot of big receivers here. He's one of the bigger receivers on the E-Squad. He went up and over a number of guys in that morning practice, uh, showed the ability to win contested catches. Uh, I've talked with a lot of people that uh, have said that he's one of the more impressive receivers here in attendance at the game. So I think when you look at uh, Aaron Parker out of the, out of URI, this is a guy that uh, has, has caught some eyes for sure. And it, to me, uh, was a guy that really stood out to me from the morning practice. I, I certainly agree, and I would go back to say, I think earlier in the week, I think Monday, it was you see that uh, like Carolina blue-esque helmet, and time after time again he was you know a reliable pass catcher for the quarterbacks, and he keeps saying, well, who, who's the you know who's that guy? Who's that guy? And it was Aaron Parker. Keep looking down at the roster. So love the pick there. Now for full disclosure on my part here, I missed the East practice this morning because we were celebrating the fact that Harold Carmichael is going into the Pro Football. Hall of Fame, at Look It In on Twitter. Definitely send him the congratulations. They are so well-deserved. Uh, it was a tremendous morning where I found out at probably around 6 o'clock, 6.30 or so, shortly after I woke up, we've been playing for the potential of whether it was going to be Harold, Dick Vermeil was a finalist, Al Wistert was a finalist, Bucko Kilroy was a finalist uh, for the special centennial slate where they were going to pick 15 either contributors or former players or coaches or executives who have been kind of overlooked over the years in the Hall of Fame voting process. And Harold Carmichael epitomizes someone whose career has been completely forgotten about, where basically after 25 years, his case had to be dusted off and you essentially had to start from scratch. And I give a lot of credit to John Ganode from the Eagles Media Relations Department, who put together an amazing stat sheet that was presented to all the members of the uh, the selection committee at the meeting in Canton, Ohio a week ago. Sal Palantonio was the one who volunteered to present for Harold. He was very emotional. I had a chance to talk with him this morning about what the process was like. And Sal Pal was was quite honestly, he was very humbled at the opportunity to present for him because he felt passionately about Harold Carmichael's case and did not want it to be in anyone else's hands. Uh, he told me that it was a four minute presentation. Every presentation was four minutes. He had a highlight video from NFL Films. No one else who presented had a highlight video. He had the stat packet from John Ganode and basically he laid it out, whereas when Howard Carmichael's career came to an end in the mid 80s, there were only four players in NFL history who had more receptions than him all time, and they were all in the Hall of Fame. Why is Harold not part of that group? And Sal Powell said that he felt the case really resonated, especially with the former coaches and exec executives and current coaches, because I mentioned that because Bill Belichick, the New England Patriots coach, was one of the people on this uh, special voting uh voting group so congratulations to Howard Carmichael spent the morning you know being able to help put together a great uh, great series of content for it the Eagles video team and social media team doing a phenomenal job as well pulling everything together and uh, just forget what he's done on the field for a second and you have to add to that add to this speaking with Charles Davis from NFL Network at the Shrine Bowl practices talking about Howard Carmichael Charles is like Harold's a guy who invented the back shoulder pass 
You know, the back shoulder fade is a result of Howard Carmichael. And, and Charles was joking. One thing is the fact that he's six foot eight and, you know, the catch radius is basically the, uh, you know, the width from the pylon to pylon in the back of the end zone. But it's also that, you know, maybe he didn't have the best quarterback play at times in the 70s before Jaws came along. And, you know, maybe it was an errant pass that kind of uh, made it come to fruition. But nonetheless, that alone, Charles was saying, should get him into the hall for what he's done for the game. But he was the NFL man of the year in 1980, helped the Eagles get to their first Super Bowl appearance in that 80s season and has been a phenomenal ambassador for the organization and the city ever since. So congratulations to Harold. Again, I did not get to make it to the East practice, so I was focused more on the West practice. And uh, the first player who I picked here, I really wanted to stick in the trenches here, is Khalil Davis, okay? One of the defensive tackles from Nebraska. And his brother, twin brother, Carlos, is also on the West team. So both of them were very good in one-on-one drills, but Khalil Davis had a sack in the team period. Khalil was very disruptive in the O-line, D-line, one-on-one drills, so he was someone who certainly stood out in my estimation I thought deserved some mention here uh, in pick six. So, Fran, turn over to you as you stuck with the wide receiver position throughout here. Yeah, I watched the the wide receiver position for both East and the West, like I said earlier. And to me, uh, going to that afternoon practice on the West side, uh, there were two guys that really stood out to me, and I, I wanted to make sure I included them in my pick six. And uh, the first one's Jonathan Johnson, uh, the wide receiver out of Mizzou. You know, watching him on film, this was a guy that was a, a four-year contributor to that Tigers football team, explosive player, return specialist, yards after catch guy, screen game, gadgets, some deep balls in there as well. But they like just getting the ball in his hands and letting him make plays. You saw some of that short area quickness today. Uh, unlike, or I should say like, a lot of the drivers that I'm dealing with right now here on this parkway heading to the airport just did a great job of getting into blind spots of defenders uh, and being able to find ways to separate down there inside the 20-yard line. I thought that uh, he did an outstanding job catching the ball as well. Number of big-time catches, even uh, you know, in contested situations. He's a smaller guy. He's not going to be a jump ball guy. This is the, literally the opposite of uh, Harold Carmichael. I think when you're looking at Jonathan Johnson, uh, he's going to win in the small man's game. But his ability to be competitive at the catch point and then also with the ball in his hands, I think it's going to serve him well. I thought he had a really good day of practice today. So we're going to go. Uh, JJ has been outstanding, by the way, all week. I, I think you could argue he's been one of, if not the best skill position guy from an offensive standpoint here uh, in St. Pete. If you were to do practice player of the week awards like they do uh, at the Senior Bowl next week in Mobile, Alabama. So, again, I stuck in the trenches. My second guy, Bryce Huff out of Memphis, edge rusher, uh, watching the 101 O-line, D-line. His first rep just burst off the edge, uh, coming off the right tackle, facing the left tackle and just use that speed to get around the corner. And then his second rep did a great job of setting up Brandon Bowen, the offensive tackle from Ohio State, uh, where he just had him retreating and was then able to convert speed to power and just push him in the backfield to be able to get to the quarterback. So a couple of nice reps in there. And again, you're looking for guys who are going to show, show traits and, you know, to me, he showed some flash, showed, showed some burst off the edge, showed a little juice. So uh, he's a guy who's coming in, I think, around you know, 6'3", 250 pounds. And, you know, that's the size when you look at a guy like a, like a Brandon Graham, like that type of size, what he brings to the table. So uh, love seeing a little bit of juice there. And uh, that's why he's my second guy here in pick six.
So I'm, I'm going to go with another guy that was outside the Power Five conferences. And, uh, you know, that is going to be Boise State wide receiver John Hightower, who we've talked about. You know, he's one of those guys that has a unique trait that's here at this game. His unique trait is his speed. That sets him apart from a lot of the players that are down here. He's got a legit 4-4 background. He's got the ability to stretch the field, be a factor vertically. He's had some drops this week. He had a couple drops today. He also made some outstanding catches. And I think when you look at guys like Will Fuller, okay, and I, I mentioned this, if you go back uh, and listen to an interview we did on Mr. Relevant with Dane Brugler back, I want to say it was late September, maybe early October, you know, we talked about John, High, John Hightower, and I told him after I watched him, I watched a couple games, and I said, there are a lot of the same positives and negatives with Hightower that you get with Will Fuller. And, and Will Fuller was pretty inconsistent, you know, at Notre Dame. You know, this is a speed demon, can go up and get it, um, but had the ability to bake the big play. This is a big play league league and John Hightower can make the big play so you may live with some of the drops it's you know I think when you look at some of the big play guys the young guys that have come into the league over the last couple of years uh you know the Deacon Metcalf's a great example the Eagles fans saw it up close uh this season that first game against Seattle in the regular season Metcalf had a couple of drops a couple of bad ones and you see that on film Darius Slayton from Auburn uh with the New York Giants same thing I went and watched all of Slayton's targets before the Eagles matched up against the Giants yeah a lot of people focused in on the big play big play big play there were a lot of drops, a lot of things where he misplayed balls and, and didn't track it well over his shoulder down the field on deep balls. You're going to get some of that with John Hightower. That's why I kind of love the comparison of Hightower to a Darius Slayton because you're going to get some of the same positives and negatives. Big play potential, a lot of tools there in the toolbox to be able to be able to uh, you know grow into a starting receiver, but not a guy that is fully all the way where he needs to be at today. He made some outstanding one-handed catches, made some highlight grabs. This is a guy that uh, there's there's something to work with there with John Hightower and I thought today more so than the other two days he was able to put that on display and that's probably why because of the inconsistent hands or you won't be a day one or day two selection but with that speed he's someone that a team is going to say when you're looking at those latter rounds of the draft what's something that we can bring in that maybe we don't have or something that we can possibly coach up and speed is definitely number one element that you would love to bring to the table there so I stayed in the Mountain West for my third pick here I didn't go D-line, I went offensive line. I went Deshaun Dixon, at the guard out of San Diego State. Like the size, body composition, 6'4", about 320 pounds or so. Uh, love the way that he gets into his sets. Thought he did a good job stonewalling the opposition in O-line, D-line drills. And it's just very interesting looking at him Look at what, as one of the, the bigger but better put together, I feel like, offensive linemen here in attendance. He wears number 79 in the practices and certainly not could be any Brand Brooks. Brand Brooks is a massive man who's extremely athletic for as big as he is. But I just think back to Brand Brooks was a player who came out of Miami, Ohio, played at the Shrine game years ago, was a third-round pick, has made his way. So conjure, conjure up some images there. But overall, just looking for a little diamond in the rough here, Deshaun Dixon, my third guy here in pick six. Yeah, Dixon was a guy that stood out to me. Honestly, I watched I'm, he stood out to me watching Donnell Pumphrey you know, when you locked in San Diego State. He was a longtime starter for them. Uh, I remember him as a puller, just dismantling players on the move. So I'm glad that you kind of singled him out. I'm glad to hear uh, that he had a good day today. All right. Uh, I'm glad you brought up, too, some diamonds in the rough because one guy who is excellent at finding some diamonds in the rough is our guest this week, for, or today, I should say, for Mr. Relevant. That's Emery Hunt from Football Game Plan. I teased it earlier in the show. Emery's outstanding and one of the best grinders when it comes to putting in the work and to evaluating these guys coming from, the, from all levels of college. And he was our guest today on Mr. Relevant. It's time for Mr. Relevant. 
really excited to welcome in one of the best in the business, Emery Hunt. Emery, this is the first time you've ever been on the Journey of the Draft podcast, driven by AAA. Welcome to the show. Appreciate you guys having me on. I've seen you all around this this country, man. <laughs> we, <laughs> Follow you dude, around. We've been doing it for years, and you're one of the guys that's all every year always at all these games you're you're one of the the biggest grinders uh in this business and uh, you know it shows up in your work appreciate sure. you so man that's why i want to bring you on and talk about who are some guys that, that have stood out to you here at practice or even in film study coming into the week uh who's the who's the number one guy who's the guy that stands out off the top don't judge me because i'm not biased with this one but the all number right. one guy okay is guard kevin dotson from louisiana okay every time you see a big run coming behind that right side it's because yep. he's cleared a, an expressway uh, in a lane. And also I've been impressed with what he's done in one-on-ones. And that's really well. hard yeah. uh, for an offensive lineman to have success in a drill that's catered toward a defensive sure. player. And he's done a really good job. So he, to me, is the number one guy that I've seen so far today. Yeah, I can only think of one rep that I've seen so far this week where he's lost. And he, I think uh, Bravion Roy from Baylor got him mm -hmm. out. I got him on the ground on one on one rep. But outside of that, he's been he's been upright. And he's been moving people in the run game, which I kind of expected. I agree. The, the one on ones is where he's he's really shining. That's that's impressed me. I wasn't expecting that. Yeah, because when you, I, I was shocked. To be honest, when uh, you know everyone was talking about Robert Hunt, who's sure. good, He's, yeah. but I, I thought coming into the season that Dotson was. Mm the better player but Hunt is really good as well yeah. unfortunately he's going to be injured so we won't see him next week sure. uh, but that raging Cajun right side is outstanding I would also uh, say Aaron Parker the wide receiver from Rhode no Island question. is yeah. impressive man yeah like, he's a great, been great day Wednesday mm -hmm. what is it that you like about him toughness yeah. you know and okay. you, you see how it is out there in Philly with the receiving core you know you got to be be mentally tough number one mm. but also physically tough and he yep. fits the mold and I talked with him earlier this week and he talked about uh, getting developed under coach Jim Fleming who is a tremendous coach out there in Rhode Island I was like at one point in time this was unheard of to have a Rhode Island player here because you guys were perennial doormats. And right. now you're almost beating Central Michigan. You're competing in a CAA. You got two guys you got out two here guys now. here, yeah. You know, sure. So he's been talking a lot of good uh, stuff, and he's been playing well. I've just been impressed with his all-around game. Yeah, there's a ton of big receivers on the West team. He's probably the biggest receiver on the East team. Uh, maybe the Florida State kid, Keith Gavin, I would say, is the only other guy that's probably a little bit bigger. But uh, you watch him go up and over some guys. He did a great job in red zone drills uh, early on Wednesday morning. Uh, Aaron Parker, certainly one of the guys that's had one of the more well-rounded weeks from the wide receiver spot. All right, who's a, another guy that's really stood out to you? Luke Barku. Ooh, San Diego, San Diego State. State. Okay. Is never in off-season, a full All-Star game season until you see a San Diego State That's defensive right. back stand yep. out That's in right. an All-Star game. Because Barku has been excellent. You know, he's been clicking close type guy, mm. um, active and aggressive in the, in the hip pockets of the receivers. Also thought uh, Keith Washington the second too from sure. West Virginia. Yep. You know, is another guy that he's quite, he's not quite what we saw last year with um, the kid from Washington, Jimmy Moreland, okay. who always yeah, had the ball. Because yeah. yep. Jimmy was catching picks and uh, he was fumbles. all over. He was the all place. over. Yeah. Watson has been the same way, just been knocking down passes, but in the hip pockets of the receivers, I thought those two corners mm. really stood out. Okay, and then I think when you look at uh, Barku, a guy that I didn't study, but he's been he's been really active, and you can tell the guys. I like watching the interactions with players and with coaches, and you can kind of sense the guys that coaches really kind of cling to. Chris Williamson from Minnesota seems to be one of those guys mm -hmm. here. Luke Barku is getting a lot of attention from that coaching staff. I'd be interested to ask you because it seems like this has become the Princeton Tigers' invitation. <laughs> as far as like, you know, the players are coming from Princeton. Right, but yep. Kevin Davidson yeah. has been excellent. I thought he 
threw the football really well. I yep. was at the game earlier in the year when they played Lafayette. Okay. And so I've seen a lot of him over the course of three years, yeah. broadcasted their game last year when they played uh, Monmouth. Mm. Uh, but he was in that, you know, dual quarterback situation with uh, John Lovett. Right. This year he was a full-time starter and put up some tremendous numbers. Mm. And I thought he was the best quarterback on the uh, East team mm. so far this week. Yeah, I think when you look at Davidson, certainly the tools are there. He's got He's mm -hmm. got something that you can work with. I think when you talk about a guy who's only been a one-year starter at the Ivy League, you see some of those mental things on film. Like, I watched a couple of the games later in the year. Mm -hmm. uh, I know I watched the Dartmouth game. I watched a couple of the other ones where mentally you just want to see him process things a little bit faster, and some of that stuff can come with, with more reps. Uh, I'm excited to kind of go back and, and watch some more of these practices as well and get a better sense of, you know, how, how did he see things when live bullets are flying? That'll be one of the things to watch Saturday in the game as well. Yeah, because you talk about upside, and he has a ton of it because, yeah. again, you mentioned it, one-year starter. Yep. You know, he was part of that whole three-quarterback platoon system, which is unique but right, fun to watch right. at Princeton. Right. Um, but he got the full-time gig this year and put up numbers yep. without Horstead, Carlson, good point. and, uh, you know, those speedy guys in the backfield. Yep. You know, so he's done a lot. Uh, Adamitis is a guy that was his – it was a good target for them mm -hmm. at tight end. But uh, Davidson did a great job, and I've also been impressed with Tyler Huntley. Yeah. Um, I talked with him yesterday, and he talked about how he compares his game to Rodgers, Bridgewater mm. and Jackson. Rogers because of he could make throws off the all different off, platforms. Off platform, yeah. Uh, Bridgewater because he's been through a lot. He's calm. He like his demeanor. And right. He's done. He's done that. And Jackson because he makes plays. Right. And so I was like, that's a unique answer. And he's like, people sleep on his accuracy. And that's sure. what he's out here to showcase. He was just so efficient all year. Like yeah. he didn't turn. He rarely turned the football over. Uh, obviously, you talked about his resiliency. A guy who's battled through a lot throughout the course of his career. I, I've been impressed with it, with how he's thrown the ball here this week too. When uh, you talk about that Utah team, and everybody talks about Zach Moss, who we'll see next week at Senior right. Bowl, and that defense. And, and to me, like John Penasini, the D tackle for, yes. for Utah. Like I mean, he's been one of the standout players. I, they don't have answers for him in one-on-ones. Run game, inside zone, or inside run, he's standing out. I mean, he's he's had a really good week, too. He's so strong yeah. at the point of attack. Yeah. He's legitimately making old linemen look like cows on skates. Like, yeah. he's just pushing these guys in the backfield. His hands are, are heavy. It's like yeah. a, you know, George Foreman-type punch. So it's been <laughs> impressive. That's a great name to pick yeah. up because he was, he was really good all week as well. Yeah. All right, so I'm going to put you on the spot. Looking ahead now to next week because we're starting to turn the page a little bit as practices are starting to wind down here. Who's one guy that you're really, really fired up to see next week in Mobile? Jalen Hurts, okay. and I'm going to tell you why. Because we know we were down there the year Carson Wentz and uh, – um, So you had Carson, it was Dak. Dak and the kid had, from La Tech. Uh, uh, yeah, it was uh, Jeff, Jeff Driscoll. Driscoll and yep. then uh, Cody Kessler. Yeah. So you look at those – You have memory, man. I can't remember <laughs> all these guys that were all there at the same time. Okay, go ahead. All, all were solid all yeah. throughout the week, right? Yep. And – I was came away impressed with Driscoll. Like, man, he looks so much better than he did at Florida. Yep. And Hertz has that same type of cachet coming in. What we saw at Alabama to what we saw, you know, at Oklahoma. Sure. We know he's gonna win all of the press conferences, mm -hmm. and he's gonna win in the interview room with the coaches. But I'm you know, excited to see the throwing side by side with all these guys, but sure. also how he does in a different arena because he right. had to learn that playbook at Oklahoma, short notice. And we're going to see what he's going to do, you know, with this offense. Uh, I don't know who's coach. I think he's on I think the Bengals side. Yeah, I believe so. I think he's on the south side. So we'll yep. so we'll see what he does there. But I just want to see how he throws, man, yeah. because that's going to be the biggest question. Can he be consistent? We know he's a playmaker, yep. but the passing part, people want to still have some questions. Just want yep. to see how he plays. I think 
I'm excited to see him more so than anybody else because of what's at stake for him. As we record this, we're still waiting on uh, the Joe Burrow news. Only I think it's still only six quarterbacks confirmed for next week, but uh, we'll see. I, Jalen Hurts certainly going to be one of the bigger names. You got him. We got Justin Herbert. Uh, some of the best players in college football. Jim Nagy's doing a great job of making sure the top passers get to Mobile. So they got to let Joe Burrow play with his his entire LSU uniform. Just, I, just let him what a whole. Can uniform. he keep the cigar in during <laughs> practice? Like, can he keep that going? Like, I, that, that would be cool to see if he if he can keep that rolling. But uh, Emory. We'll see you next week in Mobile. Really appreciate your time here on the Journey of the Draft podcast. Appreciate you, Frank. Keep doing great work, man. Awesome stuff there from Emory Hunt. And again, you could follow him on Twitter at FBallGamePlan. And he's just he does an outstanding job uh, covering, the, covering the college game, covering the NFL game, uh, everything that he does over football game plan. He's an outstanding analyst and one of the, one of the best grinders in the business, like I mentioned earlier. All right, uh, before we get on to the next part of the show, again, uh, go check out the Eagle Eye in the Sky podcast, fueled by Gatorade. I've had a lot of big-time guests coming up here over the next few weeks. And if you're into whether you're an Eagles fan or not, if you're into X's and O's, learning more about the game, learning more about team building and, and scouting and evaluation, I've got a lot of guests coming up over the next couple of weeks that uh, really can present an interesting point of view from that standpoint in terms of what it takes to be successful in the NFL. So make sure you check that out over on the Eagle Eye in the Sky podcast, fueled by Gatorade. I caught up with Greg Cosell here this week to talk about this Eagles roster heading into the 2020 offseason and beyond. So make sure you check that out wherever podcasts can be found. All right, now it's time for our unofficial visit. I caught up with Oklahoma cornerback Parnell Motley. Interview you don't want to miss. He's our unofficial visit for this week. The unofficial visit. Here now with Oklahoma cornerback Parnell Motley. And Parnell, uh, for those who have not yet to watch you play, give us a quick scouting report of what you'll bring to your future NFL team. Uh, what I bring to my future NFL team is being relentless, man. Give everything I got, everything I will, and put the organization first, man. It's um, getting a re- relentless effort, um, being physical, um, making sure I'm on time and everything. It is sure. being open and open to everything and to the community community, um, community and everything and that I can bring to the table. So I want to ask you about some of your teammates. I want to get, I want to get a, a good story about what they what they bring to the table, uh, both physically and then also as a teammate. Tell me about C.D. Lamb, a guy that you face every yeah. single day in practice. What is it that makes C.D. Lamb C.D. Lamb? Man, C.D. Lamb is so versatile, man. He's a good character on and off the field, and he's just a practice player. Um, he practices hard. That's what makes him a great player to today. Um, he gives me great looks, man, and rattling releases. Um, he block, he blocks so well. Yeah. He does everything you can do in the book, and you see it on the, on the game film, and, mm-hmm. and that's what he displays in practice. And that's why we're so competitive. I'm checking him every day, and we compete into the highest level, and we're just getting each other better each and every day. What's his best trait? Like, what's the to me like the you know, the one thing you say? You know what? This is what makes him great. Uh, it could be a you know, competitiveness, or you know, his dog mentality, or is it his hands, his yards after catch? Like, mm-hmm. what is it that makes him great? Uh, what makes CD great, man, just his his will to make a play. Got you know it. What I'm okay. saying? I like that. You, you turn on the turn on the film, he catching a five yard hitch and breaking eight tackles yep. the rest of the play, and it's not fluke because he did it multiple times. Sure. Yeah, he did it several times, so mm-hmm. it's just his will to make a play and, and do whatever he can do for the team and and put his he put his team in the best position for us to win. So CD is just a great guy, man, and, and, and he just do so much for his team. On the outside looking at it, it seemed like Jalen Hurts kind of came in and, and was that guy, like, right away. Is there a moment where you, it kind of hit you as a defensive player, like, alright, like, this guy, like, he, he's the real deal? Uh, definitely, man, uh, especially when during fall camp, um, Jalen really started to settle in. And, yeah. And especially he was coming in in the spring and getting the field for but sure. in the fall camp and, and leading up to the, um, what about 
what I'm saying, early um, early games that we played, and I, sh I saw what our real test, especially against Texas. Yeah. And Jalen was um, was a great quarterback, and we just played his will, especially Baylor, and mm -hmm. and it showed you so much about a person and his character mm -hmm. and his will to do so much more than um, in just winning. So he and he put himself first, and he put his team first before himself, and he's just a team player, a great guy on and off the field, man, and great person to talk to. He's a great leader, and and, and I love Jalen Hurts and the way he carried his team this year. Take us through uh, Neville Gallimore, uh, a guy on your side of the ball, defensively, defensive tackle. Uh, what is it about Neville Gallimore that makes Neville Gallimore? Man, Neville Gall Gallimore, the Canadian star, man. <laughs> Canadian bulldozer, man. It's Neville, man. It just he's um he's a great guy. He's a um, character guy, man. He's so genuine. He's just a funny guy. Um, Neville Gallimore, he's so physical. But when you're not field, man, I call him I call him Gorilla. That's exactly he reformed into, man. He's just a great guy. What he do for um, me, for us and the team, and he's a, he's the team leader too. So yeah. he did so much for us this year and put us in a great position and forced so many things for us to um, make make things easy for us on the back end. So Neville Gallimore is a Canadian bulldozer, man, and wishing the best of luck on his future, and I'm going to miss playing with that guy. Was there an example where his leadership kind of, was there like a moment you could think back to where you said, like, all right, like this is where his leadership's really kind of coming to, to the forefront? Definitely, man. When, um, the Canadian Bulldogs is making great plays, especially against Texas Tech. When okay. we forced that fumble um, coming on in the play, and it's seen and Neville Gallimore is the different, be different beast this year. And so much he do in this play and, and the scheme we had and made him play fast. And, and that's when I really seen Canadian Bulldogs, man. He's a great guy and, and willing to do anything for this team. All right, last guy I want to ask you about from your team, Kenneth Murray. Yeah, another oh. guy that's, I mean, you know, you see him just mm -hmm. make one play, you got to get a sense of mm -hmm. what he is. Uh, tell us what is Kenneth, who is Kenneth Murray off the field and on the field? Kenneth Murray, all the field man is a great guy man he always in the, in the film room he always on the okay. field he's first he's the um, first to be there always the last to leave out and Kenneth Murray just display um, so much energy and will he remind me of Ray Lewis and, okay and that's, that's his idol who he looked up to and, and you can you can see why he displays on the field where he moves fast and run across from across the field from east to west and north to south and and he's just a he's just a guy that shows everything and, and his will to be a great player and on and off the field and on the field man he's he's great He's love to scrape to the ball, and that's the type of guy you want in your defense, man. He's love to hunt to the ball. It's going to be everywhere where the ball is and, and where it's not. I'm going to put you on the spot. I've asked you about Jalen Hurts. I've asked you about CD. Yeah. I've asked you about Gallimore, and I've asked you about Kenneth Murray. You can bring one guy of that group with you to your next NFL team. Which of those four are you bringing with you? Which I'm bringing? Um, I said CD last time, but I'm, I'm bringing Kenneth Murray this time. Okay, why is that? Because um, his it started up there. He's like the quarterback out defense, man. Okay. And just will for us to orchestrate the defense, communicate, and just have feel much more comfortable with a leader like that and enforcer like that to do so much things. So Kenneth Murray, definitely. Who's the? We're at the Shrine Bowl. Who's the one guy that you? And it could be in that secondary group with you, or it could be a receiver. That's really just impressed you. You got to pick one guy. Who's really, really impressed you so far? A person that really impressed me. Um, I got to say, Navelle Clark. Okay. He's doing a great, significant job. Yep. He's playing the opposite corner with me, yep. and he's doing so much. And he's a tall, long corner. He might have some corners in the league that's doing so much. So Navelle Clark, he's out, really opening to me, and I like the way he's playing right now. All right, Parnell, really appreciate the time. Best of luck throughout the rest of the process. No problem. Awesome stuff there from Parnell Motley. And to just kind of wrap this up, uh, we're leaving St. Petersburg, Florida here Wednesday, and we're going to come back to Philadelphia to the NovaCare Complex. We're going to record one more podcast this week on Thursday. C-Mac and I are going to kind of put a ribbon on everything that we saw here 
from the week of practice, maybe give out a couple of awards and preview Saturday's game in terms of what we're going to see from a matchup standpoint and what you can keep your eyes out for uh, here as from an NFL draft standpoint in this game. And then uh, we'll start our Senior Bowl preview. We've got that here on Thursday as well. Ben Fennell will be back with the show on Thursday. We'll preview next week's action from Mobile, Alabama, and we're going to have daily podcasts from Mobile as we break down all the action from the Senior Bowl. Until then, we'll see you next time here on the Journey to the Draft podcast driven by AAA.